Welcome back for season three of the Orioles in the Know podcast. These twice monthly conversations feature Avon School Superintendent Dr. Scott Windham and special guests, students, teachers, administrators, and others. The goal is to keep you up to date with all that is taking place in Avon Schools, home of the Orioles. Thank you for tuning in to Orioles in the Know. Hello and welcome to episode number 44 of Orioles in the Know, a podcast of the Avon Community School Corporation. I'm Scott Wyndham, the superintendent of Avon Schools, and we hope you find these podcasts to be another way that you can stay informed on all the great things going on in Avon Schools. We've started sharing information about three growth models that we've developed and about which we're seeking input from our staff and our community. You may not know this, but the last school we built in Avon was River Birch Elementary in 2010. In the 12 years since, we've added over 2,100 students. Our school board has taken very strategic and thoughtful steps in that time period to delay the need for a new school. We've made our smaller elementary schools bigger. We've maximized space at White Oak, which is a building that was built in the 1960s, uh, really not equipped to be an elementary of today's standards, but a great building to serve preschool, to get those classrooms out of our elementary schools and free up space for growth. And then also, if you've driven around our schools lately, you'll see several portables, especially at the elementary and intermediate schools that we've been using to address growth. So our website is full of information about uh, how we're growing growing about these three models, but I've asked a few of our administrative team to join me today to talk about these three models for our growth plan. So Dr. Michael Sullivan is Assistant Superintendent, Dr. Dustin LeMay is our Director of 7 through 12 Teaching and Learning, and Carrie Allday is our Director of Pre-K through 6th Grade Teaching and Learning. So thanks for being here. Well, thank you, Scott. Thank, thank you. you. So um, Carrie, Dustin, you all, uh, you know, really help lead our teaching and learning efforts in our district. So thinking about how we're using space and the challenges that we have in space, especially at the K-6, K-8 level is really important. How are we using portable classrooms right now? What are some ways that our schools are being really creative to use space in our schools? Yeah, I think creativity is the key. Um, Pretty much if there's space, we are using it. Um, We have portables at um, that we're currently using at three of our elementary schools. And a lot there, we have some of our related arts um, classes in the portables. So we have maybe our computer. I think even uh, we have innovation Um, at one of our schools. We have our to support. We're supporting our multilingual learners um, in the portable Um, at the intermediate school. We're also using it with a we have them at both schools and we're supporting our related arts classrooms I think we have art and music and additionally we have some classrooms out there like at West we have two sixth grade classes out in the portables and then when you talk about pretty much if there's a space in our schools there are kids and staff members in there um, like an example will be at the intermediate schools there's a lot of places that are designated as lab spaces but right now we're not using any of those as labs we have classrooms in every single space we have spots that would be like collaboration spaces could be great breakout spaces for our kids to go in but right now we're using that we might have a therapist in there providing support services for kids who require that we would have some of our intervention spaces in there and another great example is we when we did the addition at maple we added a class to support the um, outdoor learning center so we had this great space but then unfortunately we had to recapture that space for our classroom because of our growing needs so we actually have a class in there 
there right now. So um, if there's space, we have kids in there learning. Yeah, we're really in a similar position at our uh, middle school. We're not quite as crowded. We're really we're really using every space that we can. We have new project lead the way classes, uh, but you know one of them uh, at South is in an old journalism room. It's not conducive for that type of learning. We have a uh, class, uh, a robotics class in a former computer science classroom. Doesn't quite have the space, so really needing to find creative ways, uh, just like at the elementary, uh, to use the space that we do have. Another, uh, again, it's not classroom space, but uh, at our middle school, we also, uh, at, at South in particular, uh, lack some space outside uh, that, that, that we don't have space for uh, some of our PE activities or even our athletics that uh, we find challenging. We're working around it, but it's not ideal for our kids. Well, it's kind of interesting going through, working on this presentation, even totaling up the number of repurposed classrooms. And, you know, this is in one of the slides that we share, but it, at K-8, we've repurposed 18 classrooms that are not being used for what they were originally intended for. I don't think any of us really realized it was that significant because that's just what we do as teachers. We're flexible. We adapt. We move this classroom this year and that classroom next year. And um, But we certainly are creative and, and, you know, you can do that to a point and then there comes a point where you're starting to negatively impact learning. Yeah, our, our, our teachers are adaptable, but there is a point there, where, yeah, what we need to we need to address their needs. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about the three models. So um, they're each different. They each have strengths and challenges. There's all kinds of information on our website. Uh, and we you know, don't really want to rehash everything that we've recorded videos and put information on our website. But if somebody is just listening to this to get kind of that basic level of information, let's do just a little brief summary of the model and then maybe a few of the strengths and challenges, knowing that there's lots more information on the website. So, Carrie, talk a little bit about what Model 1 would do for our kids. Well, Model 1 is really looking at um, our same structure we currently have. Um, it's just growing it. And so in Model 1, we would be building one new elementary school. And so that would bring us a total of seven elementary schools that would be serving our kindergarten through fourth grade students. Um, in Model 1, we would also be expanding both of our intermediate schools and both of our middle schools. So intermediate would still serve grades 5 and 6, and the middle school would serve 7 and 8. We would stick with two of each of those we would just grow those um, pretty significantly at each place. And you're right, there's definitely positives and there's challenges to each of the plans. Um, one of the positives, it keeps the structure the same. Um, we're used to this structure and it just keeps it, I mean, it keeps it that status quo um, and we're, we're familiar with that. Um, another positive is both at the intermediate schools and the middle schools, um, I think just our staff has done great things um, to create wonderful learning experiences for our students and for our, the families. And it's a way to continue that um, for both students, families, and for our staff. Um, the other piece is when we look, anytime when you're looking at building a school, um, an elementary school is always going to be the most cost effective one to build um, versus a middle school or a high school. And so that would be a positive. When you think about challenges, one of the challenges is in, in around um, our area, in our conference, a lot of our schools are grades six through eight. And when you're at that six through eight, when you put sixth grade at the middle school, um, students are able to have participate in 
some sports and other clubs, other extracurriculars. And so it just gives those kids more experiences um, to be in extracurriculars. And with our sixth graders at the intermediate school, they unfortunately just don't have that. And you could easily say, well, they could just ride the bus there afterwards. But it's not as easy as that because I think our intermediate school gets out a couple hours before our middle right. school. So it's not as easy as just ride a bus there. Um, the other piece, when you think about it, a, a strength of our current model is our staff works really hard and builds really great relationships with our students and their families. But each year they are entering a half of their population are joining them as new students and half are leaving with only being there two years. And so that's a challenge. Um, they do it, but they're working really hard to do it. And so and there's just that extra transition for students. The other piece is there's a curricular piece. Um, a lot when we work with different uh, textbooks and resources, a lot of them are made for there's some are made for K-5, and some of them are made for like 6-8. And we're living that right now in math. Our, K, our fifth grade at the intermediate school uses Bridges math, and then sixth, because it only goes up through fifth grade, and at the intermediate, at sixth grade, they use CPM, which is the same as six through eight. So there's just that disconnect, and it's harder to collaborate because of the two different resources. They do it, and they work hard to do it, but just an extra challenge. And Carrie, I appreciate the way you've articulated the, the positives and the challenges of, of model one and, and, and maintaining that intermediate um, school model. I, I was fortunate and blessed to be a principal uh, at, at our intermediate for nine years and and I lived many of the of the challenges and, and the positive just as you articulated them you know I saw firsthand how hard our teachers worked uh, to build relationships and, and kids and families certainly benefited uh, from how hard our teachers work. But I also saw the opposite side, the challenges of, again, losing half the population or sometimes more each year and, and the struggle that that created in, in, in continuity of, of relationships and things that we were trying to accomplish uh, at the intermediate level. Uh, I also saw the schedule, the challenge of scheduling. Mm -hmm. Uh, the fifth grade works off of a elementary model uh, of scheduling, and the sixth grade works off more of a middle school model because of band, choir, orchestra. So you, it really feels like two you're now in a building, two, 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 two schools in one building. Yeah. So yeah. So again, having lived that firsthand, it, it, it you know it really brings that to life for me. So yeah, that's a yeah. great input. And I guess the one piece I'd be remiss not to say is um, if you're at the intermediate schools during arrival or dismissal, I mean, it's already, it's a tight, um, there's a lot of traffic and um, it's just a tight footprint. Um, and if we are, if we go with model one, it's significant. We're adding on significantly to the intermediate school, both of the schools. And so it will make even um, it even tighter in that. And so I think that is just a concern that we have to be aware of yep. with this model. And yeah, you can see all that information on, on the website and you know that in some districts as you're growing, it's a little bit more simple. You just mm -hmm. say, okay, it's time to build a new elementary. It, it, as we've kind of talked about, it's not as easy as that for us. We can't just build a new elementary because we've got space needs at the intermediates. We've got space needs at the middle schools. And so we've really got to take a more comprehensive look at how do we want to grow the district um, across K-8. We know the high school is going to be taken care of with the project that's underway, but we really do need to, to take a little bit bigger view of what does this look like. Carrie articulated Model 1 really well. Model 2 and Model 3 
get into changing the configuration of the district. And as we kind of looked at some other options of how we grow, um, as Carrie said, the east and west campus is tight. Expanding those buildings is certainly a possibility, but it is going to make that campus tighter. So we really looked at Model 2 and Model 3 as alternatives that would allow us to, to continue to grow the district, but do it in a little bit different way. And both of those models push fifth grade back to the elementary level, sixth grade to the middle school level, and we would lose that tra- that extra transition that we have of the intermediate schools. So, Michael, you want to talk a little bit about mo- Model 2, what it would look like, and then some strengths and challenges of that model? Sure. Scott, as you stated, Model 2 is our first option that looks at restructuring. It eliminates our intermediate schools. Instead, we will build an elementary, convert east into an elementary, and convert west to a third middle school. All elementary schools will become K through five, and the three middle schools would be sixth through eighth grade. Again, no intermediates. All elementaries would be K through five, and we will build a third middle school, all of which would be six through eight. Some positives of Model 2 is there'd be one less transition without intermediate schools. There'd be more time for middle schools to build relationships with students and families. There's a curricular alignment as elementaries go K through five, and then you have six through eight for middle schools. There'd be more extracurricular opportunities for middle school students. East and West would be better off with the traffic and they would utilize similar traffic patterns as now. Uh, They would maximize the use of existing facilities except the gym. And then some challenges would be there would be an impact on the feeder system. We'd have 8K through 5s, 3, 6 through 8s. East would need a kindergarten classroom and a playground update. West would need additional classrooms and flex space. They'd also need to be shared auxiliary gyms. West and South would share a football stadium and track. So the one of the challenge you touched on this was kind of that idea of some some shared spaces that we just typically haven't done a lot of. So you mentioned there'd be some sharing of athletic facilities between West and South, and then also at least one hallway that we would have to you know really look at in this model that would have maybe some elementary traffic and some middle school traffic in it. So yeah, from an architectural standpoint, uh, the sharing of the gym makes a lot of sense. Uh, Because the gym will be large enough for a middle school. Um, And so having the elementary actually come over and share would probably be a great use of the space. Uh, But it is something new for us. Mm -hmm. You know, Dr. Sullivan, when I I think about it as you articulated Model 2, and I'll share a little bit more about Model 3 in a little bit, it almost brings it full circle for me. Uh, I was hired as a teacher when we had K-5 through elementaries and a 6, 7, 8 middle school. So I started teaching in that environment and saw some of the benefits. I was an 8th grade language arts teacher. If I had questions about about a student or wanted to work with families, I, I could collaborate with you know my peers in sixth grade and seventh grade. So uh, it brings it full circle, and it just so happens that I was also a student uh, <laughs> at uh, what is now East when it was a middle school. Middle school so yes, right. I actually think I was the uh, first class that went all three years uh, through uh, that at that time a new middle yeah, school. There you so go. I might we have, should I, have a plaque there. Yeah, somewhere. maybe <laughs> should. I, I also <laughs> might have aged myself a little bit. So. <laughs> That's right. 
Well, and I think one of the things that we've looked at, and there's information in the, in the presentation about this, is the wide variety of sizes of middle schools that you look at. And I think Carrie mentioned many in our conference are set up as sixth through eighth grade, but there's a wide range. And part of this conversation is how big do we want our middle schools to be? Um, there are middle schools in the Indianapolis area that are 1,600 students. And I think, Dustin, I've heard you talk about that South at one point had 1,400, 1400 before yeah. we built North. Yeah, I was a, a assistant principal at that time and there's got to be a formula somewhere about how many middle school students are in square foot and but 1400 yeah it was more than that so. and, you know and that tends to be some of the input that we we get when we talk about this is you know there there are lots of good middle schools that are a thousand students or more um, but what is the right size for us when we think about having capacity to grow into the future and those kinds of things it's it's just good information to look at so Dustin why don't you talk a little bit about the third model and what that would do oh, sure so in the third in model three we do transition away from the intermediate model just like we do in model two in, in model three we do transition away from the intermediate model uh, we do convert our intermediate schools east and west to elementary schools and they would both be grades k through five and then we build a new middle school some of the positives uh, in this model would be that elementary students are on one shared campus uh, so at East and West, again, both uh, K through five uh, elementaries. Uh, and Dr. Sullivan mentioned this as well, and we've alluded to this. Uh, there are more natural extracurricular opportunities uh, in this model. Everybody would be under one roof, and again, it's just uh, better for kids and, and more supportive for families. And then, it, it, you know, a, a key to this one, it maintains property on both our north side and the south side of our district for future elementaries. It's not like when we're done with, with this phase that we're going to stop growing. So we think that's a, a, a big plus for, for this model. Some of, and some of the challenges would be that both East and West will certainly need work to, to, to serve as K-5 through elementary schools. Uh, the East uh, performing arts space uh, could, could be under, underutilized, so we really need to, to take a look at how we can best utilize that space. And in this model, the cost to build a new middle school is, is certainly more expensive than an elementary. We, the, the four of us, have been having this conversation for months and months now um, to get ready to have this broader conversation with our teachers and with our community. So we've been going through even more than these three models of saying, well, what about this? What about that? What if we tried this? And really kind of narrowed it down to these three and some conversations with our school board as well. As you think about kind of how these conversations have ebbed and flowed over the last few months with us internally, what have those conversations highlighted for you? How has your uh, perspective on growth in Avon changed over the last few months? One of the things that, that, that stands out to me is the need to be future thinking. We, we can solve our growth issue with any of these models, mm -hmm. but how do we do that in a way that we're thinking long-term for our students, for our families, uh, even fiscally with the, the space and the land that we have, you know, as we've looked at different models, some of them could work, but do they do they help us uh, now and do they help us in the future? Mm -hmm. I think a lot about how 
Um, we talk about what our priorities are, um, and we talk about making sure that we create the best opportunities for our students going forward. Um, like Dustin said, I think we're trying to be future-minded. Um, we do have things that uh, are still outliers, like we have land, no matter what you know decision we make, um, we can do this without any impact uh, to taxpayers. Um, and so we're always trying to figure out what's the best for our kids and what's the best way to go about making sure that these decisions allow for us to move forward in the future. I think it's also been really interesting because there, I think there's some other districts in the area having similar conversations mm-hmm. um, about restructuring and what does this look like for our future and how do you make the best decisions. And uh, I'm just thankful that we, um, you know, when we think about the community of Avon, we're at a really good place. I mean, growth is a challenge, but I mean, I and I know you, we hear you say this all the time that um, you'd always rather have this than be a school district yep. that is losing students. And I think about some of the, there's other districts in our area that are talking about closing schools mm-hmm. and that and that those are really tough deci- decisions and conversations in the community with community members, with kids, with staff members. And I'm just thankful that we get to have these conversations, but it's because we're growing mm-hmm. and, um, and it, it's exciting and challenging at the same time. <laughs> Change is hard, always, but like like you said, uh, the, this is a much better conversation to be having than what schools do we close, what mm-hmm. teachers do we cut, what programs do we eliminate, because most school districts in Indiana are declining in enrollment. We're privileged to be serving in a community that's still growing, and people aren't moving to Avon for all the chicken restaurants. They're, <laughs> the, the, while they're good, I'm not, I'm not, I love a good chicken sandwich, but they're moving to Avon in many cases because of the great school system. and. and and that's a testament to all of our teachers and our staff that that uh, make this a great school district. And so how fortunate are we that we get to have growth conversations about how do we serve more kids that want to be a part of our schools? That is a great challenge that we have. So really appreciate the three of you and all your work to uh, get these presentations ready for our community. There's a survey on our website if you uh, are interested in giving input on these models and uh, helping us as we move towards uh, making a decision in December that will guide us. Uh, as we move into the future. That would be great. Thanks thanks for all you've done to help us get here. Thank you. Definitely. Thank you. You've been listening to Orioles in the Know with Avon Community School Corporation Superintendent Dr. Scott Windham. Subscribe to Orioles in the Know on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. While you're there, please help us by leaving a positive rating or review. Follow Dr. Windham on Twitter at A-V-O-N-S-U-P-T. Visit our website at avon-schools.org or call us at 317-544-6000. This has been an Avon Schools production. Go Orioles!